to refigure the podcast the no I popped it the podcast <laughs> our weekly show about culture the arts tech diversity and anything else we can think of I'm Christopher and I'm Reefer hey you're here how you I doing? might use my meditation voice for the whole thing and <laughs> relax so someone told me that they, by accident, listened to my Meditation with Reefer podcast after they listened to our podcast, our Refigure podcast, and they were like, why is Reefer speaking so slowly? What are we talking about today? Like everyone else, we watched the first episode of His Dark Materials, the new BBC HBO co-production of the classic series of fantasy children's novels by Philip Pullman. By Philip Pullman. I keep popping the mic so we could talk about that we also went to the actual live theatre this week it was so scary we went to see Frankenstein production by True Story Theatre which is a local company in Brighton and we went to right across to East Brighton over the other end of Kemp Town to see it at the Spire venue so we'll talk about that some live theatre didn't you also almost meet Patty Smith this yeah, week yeah True Story True Story uh, my friend Emma Hogan came down from London to check out a venue. She works in the music industry. She wanted to check out a venue that's conveniently located near my house off London Road at St Bart's. And we went in there to have a look around and nosy around before we were going off to see Margaret Atwood speak. We realised, oh, there's another little makeshift stall next to the uh, polystyrene cups and the digestive biscuits that the church were laying on for whoever was signing their books and doing a bit of a turn in front of the altar. And who should it be but Patti Smith? And I had heard rumours about this gig, but I was like, what, on the same night as Margaret Atwood? Surely not. And I had this inkling that the longer we were speaking to these people who run the church and listening to them and their woes, she was going to turn up. I just felt that was going to happen. Anyway, we were sitting up at the front, just trying out the pews. They're not pews, they're chairs that have been there for over 100 years and wiggling about thinking, oh, you're bummer to be really small to make these chairs. (laughs) Chairs last this long. Um, Anyway... At the corner of my eyes, from a side entrance, two people with white hair walk in and one pops over to the little stage and starts chatting to the sound man. What tiny PA they've got in there, but never mind. That church is like built on the dimensions of the actual ark where the animals went in two by two. Anyway, yeah, she walked past me and two people ran up to her and said, are you Patty Smith, are you Patty Smith? And she was like, yep. And then they didn't know what to say to her. And me and Emma were like, well, let's not be those people. But I just looked at her and saw her really up close. And then Emma said, oh, yeah, I've been on stage with her and the Dalai Lama at Glastonbury anyway. So, fine. Anyway, and then we popped over to see Mark Atwood. Yes. (laughs) And the same woman that ran the stall at one event was running the the bookstall at the other event. Oh, my God. 
Anyway, big shout out to City Books. And Patty Smith. And Patty Smith. Oh my god, okay. you wanted it looser. Yeah, the loose series. So first of all, everyone's already talking about this. So this is like just us joining in the okay. general hubbub of cultural conversation. But the BBC and HBO have joined forces to put on this uh, very high value A-list cast, beautifully produced um, TV series adaptation of Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials trilogy, starting at the very beginning of Northern Lights, the first book. I set out for the North some 12 months ago, and this is the first of the discoveries I made. A myriad of worlds of which the Magisterium controls only one. For centuries, they have been trying to keep us where they want us. One on these. You promised the Magisterium you'd control Hatsriel. Then we'll need to take the matter into our own hands. Lyra, there's a great change coming that will threaten us all. I'm going to give you something. What does it do? It has a part to play in all this. And a major one. Tell me where the alethiometer is. So we've only seen the first episode, just like you, if you've been watching it. And I, I sort of think we had slightly different reaction to it. So I was tempering my expectations for it because, A, I'm not a fan of BBC productions in general, especially their sort of pseudo big budget drama. And we're so spoiled by really big budget American drama at the moment that's incredibly well written and incredibly well directed with A-list stars in. And then quite often when the BBC trumpets that they're doing a similar thing it just feels like a bit of a waste of money and it feels like it's still got this kind of weird BBC commissioning interference running to stop it being too interesting so I had kind of controlled expectations and then they were really blown away I was moved and satisfied by loads of different elements of his dark materials or at least I feel like they've set us up for an amazing show the little girl playing Lyra is absolutely fantastic. I can't remember her name, but she's brilliant. Ruth Wilson plays Mrs. Coulter. She was just the right amount of kind of warm and enticing and interesting for the little girl Lyra, who is the main hero of the story, who has to be teased away from her her hidey hole in Oxford and go to London with Mrs. Coulter. Lord Azrael is, is perhaps a bit unconventional casting to play, like James McAvoy's feels like a little bit younger than you'd imagine for Lord Azrael and not as grizzled. Like I think of Lord Azrael as a kind of Aragorn strider sort of character, like really grizzled and old. And then McAvoy still played it quite fierce and severe, but played it a bit younger. That was amazing too. I got a fully enriching experience from it that first episode and it makes me very excited to see the rest. But I got the feeling sat next to you that you weren't as into it. Maybe I'm just not in the mood for this sort of fantasy the books are great. The first bit the first bit of that book I find particularly tedious <laughs> because and it took me ages to get past the first few pages of that book when I was reading it. And the same is true of this. It's all very male. They've got some colour in there. There is a like a nice diverse crowd in the actors, which is great to see. But it's all blokes, all Oxford Dons. There's this girl who's like trapped in this tower you know it's all a bit you know old-fashioned if you like the way that it's set and it's played in this fantasy world is still set in this kind of patriarchal society so potentially this might be the feelings that some people who didn't like Wonder Woman would have thought because it's set in a in a sort of romantic time where men were men and women were these sort of um 
Mrs. Coulter comes across like a World War One spy, you know, like a kind of uh, duplicitous, conniving, cunning, uh, manipulative woman, not to be trusted because she's too beautiful and she's so glittering and mysterious and all this shit. I find that all a bit tedious now these days, you know, and knowing that in our, on our bookshelf, like most of you, dear reader, I'm sure, most of your sci-fi and fantasy, you might have a bit of Margaret Atwood in there and Ursula Le Guin, but most of it is written by old white dudes. And it's just a bit tedious. When I was younger, when I was a kid, I used to identify with characters that were one woman, one girl out on her own having an adventure. And maybe I'll lighten up a bit about this series when she gets to actually having the adventures of the big bear. <laughs> But yeah, maybe I should watch Succession. That's kind of the mood I'm in at the moment. It's to watch like people being really nasty to each other. And... I don't even know. I find it like, I find it all a bit annoying. The thing is, as well, although you said there's not, it's not very BBC-like, fortunate is a little bit of that for me. Oh, like, really? Like when the gyps, gyps, Gyptians do their thing, it was so worthy and it was so cringing. You know, they do this whole... Do you mean when they do the sort of ritual the ceremony. of becoming a man? Yes, yeah. right. That was so BBC. It made me feel like they'd done that in a really nice studio. <laughs> they all look really warm and normal. Um, everybody's like overacting their hearts out because they're on the telly. It's just... It's like an episode of EastEnders when they do an outdoor broadcast thing when there should be some fireworks oh you know there's somebody there really wanted some fucking fireworks oh god forbid a crowd scene from doctor who it was like that oh my god it was like that christmas episode of the yes here's the problem is so i loved it and i the egyptians are probably my favorite part of the early books i love the egyptians and now you've said it it makes me think it so i didn't even like jar on the kind of oh, look, it's Oxfordshire and they're Egyptians. They're supposed to be like folky canal boat people, but it's very multicultural and it's very kind of ethnically and gender diverse and it's all interesting. But now you've said it, I'll tell you the other thing that reminds me of is Russell T. Davis, that show about the family that years, years and years... Yes, exactly the, that. I was the about refugee, to say, refugee camp in there. I'm expecting one of those actors to pop up or somebody <laughs> from WNA to pop up at any moment. Russell Tovey's oh, agent is God. like... How dare this show exist without Russell Tovey in it? It's the lighting as well, that everything looked... Like, those episodes of, um, oh, God, Killing Eve, where she's in Italy, for example. I think it was Italy, where she goes and murders someone. You believe you're in Italy, right? That's real sunshine. That's real stuff going on. It's not a girl running in CGI sunshine after... Not once, twice they do her running after an airship in fake sunshine in a studio. I mean, honestly, the green screen of it is just too much for me. But anyway, I'm sure it'll pick up. Yay. Bring on the bears. And the witches. And the witches. I bet you like it when the witches show up. If What's her name? Uh, The one that was woman in space. And she's in double one A. Jessica Hines. Jessica Hines isn't a fucking witch. I'm killing my BBC subscription. You're rage quitting. (laughs) I'm rage quitting. (laughs) Oh my god! Uh, listen, when I'm not a professional TV TV uh, reviewer, maybe I shouldn't watch TV. No, honestly, most people in the world are raving about how brilliant it is, and I came away thinking this is brilliant. I love it, but I did wonder, what, like what you know, you what you said about, about Mrs. Coulter being menacing and being evil. 
we know she's evil because we've read the books, right? And she played it right on the knife edge. I thought she played it really well. If you didn't know the books, did they signal... This is not a rhetorical I, question. I'm okay. asking you. Yes, I understand. Did, did they signal that she was evil? This is the thing, right? They just rely on this stuff. They shortcut stuff so much. We don't know who the Egyptians are. We get an idea. We don't know what they are. Are they refugees? Are they people? What the, what, you know, we don't really care at this point that the kid's been going missing, right? We kind of get an impression of it. But to be honest, I don't care about any of the characters. I couldn't care less if she was evil or not at this point. Whereas... <laughs> I was one of the few people that really liked Nicole Kidman. I really love her. I think she's great in anything. And I really enjoyed that, the Hollywood production of it. You did not. You hated it. I really enjoyed it. You didn't. You hated it. I thought she was great. You're very pro Nicole Kidman, whatever she does. And you said she was good, but you didn't like the film. I can't remember. It's shocking, the film. Right now, I don't care about this this book. Very tropey children's story crap. We went to an actual bit of theatre this week. We went to see True Story Theatre's production of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Starring Gary Sefton as the monster who also adapted the book and directed it as well. And he runs, he's half of True Story Theatre. And they put it on in East Brighton's beautiful deconsecrated church venue, The Spire. I sort of dragged you along to this a little bit. What did you think of it? The weather's been terrible. I'm amazed people are going outside of the house, let alone going to deep, deep Kemp Town to sit in a quite um, a cold church. However, that church is made for productions like this. They did Dracula last year. They did Frankenstein this year. It's a gothic church. It's great to host these events. And I was really... Uh, I found it brilliant that you've got an audience, pretty diverse audience. There were kids there, families, even some people of colour in the audience. Yay. I was really impressed. I thought it was fantastic costumes. I thought Frankenstein was amazing. So it just bangs straight into the story with Dr Frankenstein creating the monster and then it goes through this whole montage of all different performers. The way they did some of those fight scenes or brutal scenes was brilliant like really well choreographed they utilize the stage that they have which is in the middle of the church in such an interesting and effective way using shadow play and lighting and sound effects I mean people audibly screamed next to me around that was right at the beginning and when you walk in there's a lady dying in a in a bed in front of you and you've got to walk past her to get to your seat it's just brilliant my only criticism about it and it's not even really a criticism it's just that you're so wrapped up in the story I was so into it and it's all happening literally a few feet away from me um, and the acting was phenomenal was the final scene is in the book is spoiler frankenstein doing a soliloquy and then chucking himself off a cliff if you haven't read mary shelley's frankenstein crack (laughs) on with that but that could have been a really even more poignant bit but i was maybe it was just that i was so wrapped up in the whole story and the effects that i had really suspended my disbelief and got really into the play that i didn't want it to end 
what more do you want as a theatre maker? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks very much for getting me a ticket. Without giving the plot away... I think everyone knows Without giving the plot the away, this production ended differently from what you just described. It was an interesting ending. Can't say what it was because we want people to go and see it. You've hit the nail on the head, really. It's just beautifully staged so that even though it's on the scale of a local theatre production, it has a feeling of something slightly bigger. You could see the same staging in a really big off-West End show or something. There's a gauze that comes down, so they can do particularly gory things in silhouette. So you can still see it's gory, but you don't see every detail. That was really clever. Gary Sefton's costume as the monster is just is spectacularly good. It's really gross. And I loved it as well. So that's a thumbs up from us. I think, I think we're really spoiled in Brighton for some amazing performance art and... We should be careful about saying that we're surprised about it because local theatre in Brighton is of a standard that you just don't see outside of London, I don't think. And it's Brighton and it's local doesn't mean at all that it's Amdram. It's totally professional and great. That is very true. I mean, they've sold over 3,000 tickets already for that show. Quick, do the math. Yeah. Um, So we recommend it. If you're within reach of East Brighton or Kemptown area... It's at the Spire. It runs through till the 9th of November. And what you want to look up is True Story, one word, Theatre, Frankenstein, the Spire, and you'll find tickets. Some nights have started to sell out, but there are still, there are definitely tickets you can get. Excellent. Truly excellent. What's next? Is it um, time for reading? I just wanted to say that I had a, a sort of reunion with three old friends and I was trying to explain what the fuck this podcast is about to them. And they were like, what you reading for? <laughs> what you reading for? What you reading for? What you reading for? One said, I don't listen to podcasts. I was like, that's fine, neither do I. Now they're all hooked. You reckon? Yeah. Now they're all hooked. They love Now us. they're going to listen to one and a half episodes. Yeah, they are. Let's do it. What you reading for, Reefa? I've read, imagine. You this, finished it. I finished this book and do you know why I read it? all in one week is because it is literally 47 pages and it's not even full pages it's brilliant oh my god leonardo carrington's the skeleton's holiday i bought for a pound and there are little tales little spooky tales for halloween and um, if you know leonardo carrington she was a artist of the surrealist movement in british though kind of dark and sinister stories but also super funny as well oh god they're really dark and i really enjoyed it and it's a real art it's like poetry to write short stories tell a whole story the nuances and build the characters and to have a bit of surreal weirdness as well what don't read any why not because it just goes too long if you read any doesn't go too long i just wanted to read one line oh yeah no read a line i just meant don't read a whole short story I just wanted to read a whole... Well, I could read a whole fucking short story name started me off. There's like eight short stories and each one is crazy, right? My favourite one is called The Debutante. Debutantes were girls who had to be shown into society and this girl doesn't want to go to her coming out ball to meet all the eligible young men. Um, so she arranges for her friend who happens to be a hyena to go to the ball instead and it's so dark 
The greatest difficulty was to find a way of disguising the hyena's face. We spent hours and hours looking for a way. And then she said, I think I found the answer. Have you got a maid? I said, yes, puzzled. There you are then, ring for your maid. And when she comes in, we'll pounce upon her and tear off her face. And I'll wear her face tonight instead of mine. That's just the beginning. Amazing. They're really fun. And... um, you should look up her art as well. And my friend Mia Underwood has been doing some amazing paintings on her on her Instagram, and they're very Leonora Carrington esque. So this Leonora Carrington mini book is from the Penguin Modern series. It's number twenty four, which is why you got it for a quid. Yes, and uh, they're really worth checking out because there's loads of good books, aren't there? Yes. What, pray tell, ergo forthwith, hitherto, are you reading for? I'm reading this weird little book that isn't my normal reading material. We've had the decorators in, and our decorator's called Bruce. He's a really nice guy. One of his interests is foraging, and he's a deep-sea fisherman, and he's into lots of different kinds of living off the land and the sea. He's a really interesting character. See, I'd be into that if he was living on an island in Thailand or Indonesia or somewhere, but he's doing it off the coast of Sussex. So I don't mind what coast you do it off. All right, carry on, sorry. One of the things he's really interested in is foraging for food and eating without buying it, which is a brilliant idea. And while I was chatting with him, I ordered off Amazon this the cheapest book I could find on Food for Free, which is called Food for Free, and it's a Collins gem. So it's one of these little educational books. cost me about four quid on Amazon. Excuse me for using Amazon, everybody. I know they're absolute arseholes, but uh, I bought it from them anyway Bezos doesn't mind the funny thing was when it arrived it's absolutely tiny physically tiny this book so I was expecting a small book this for when you go foraging you put it in your pocket it's A7 so it's half the size of your regular gig flyer it's a tiny book but it's quite fat and it's just an encyclopedia of food plants and mushrooms and uh, bits and bobs that you can f- a random tell me oh well that's a good idea stuff you can find in the countryside that you can pick and eat so i'll open this at random ramsons also known as wild garlic now i'm going to read from the freaking book also known as wild garlic large colonies of ramsons can often be smelt tens of yards away and garlic woods sometimes figured as landmarks in old land charters simply because of their smell. Very good. This has this sort of blend of natural history, usefulness, sometimes a couple of recipes in here as well. And it's all written by one bloke. It's not it's not sort of compiled by by computer or anything like that. They would do nowadays if they made one of these books. Them computers type. Yeah, this is just a bloke called Richard Maybe. And he originally wrote it in 1972, but this minute pocket edition is from a few years ago. I mean, I haven't actually been out foraging yet, but I definitely, I am going to go foraging. I might do one of those foraging. There's an amazing half man, half biscuit song about organised walks in the countryside, like bat walks and nighttime bird walks and all that. It's really funny. It's off their new album. So that's Food for Free, Collins Gem by Richard Maybe. It's like one of those little bird bird watching nature books. I like it. Yeah. There's probably an app you could have bought that would have been easier. Yeah, but there's something about it being on paper, you know, and not being on a phone. Let me open it. Let me have a go. I, I just saw see. walnut pickle in there. Yeah, all right. I didn't grow up in the countryside, so I couldn't give a shit. Let me have a look. What do I get? Time. Wild time. Our friend Kelly Kemp has a shop in Portsmouth called Wild Time, spelt T H 
Y-M-E. And I, literally only last week did I understand the pun. It's called Wild Time. And I yeah. was like, oh my yeah. God. But anyway, that's where I opened it up at. Very nice. Thank I've... you very much for listening. Thank you very, very much. The thank, they thank you very much. No, thank you very <laughs> thank much. You. Oh, go hitherto forthwith. We shall see you next time on the podcast. Thank you very much for listening, especially you. Find us on Facebook at ReFigurePod. Find us on Twitter at ReFigurePod. Find us on Instagram, ReFigureUK. And we'll talk to you next week. Like and subscribe. Yeah, please be nice to us. Three stars and no. Five star good. Yeah, five stars, bitches. Um, That was really fun. Goodbye. <laughs>